heartwarming and great just like just like good proper food nothing too fancy nothing like deconstructed or whatever like it just needs to be good soul foods but with a twist so a little elevated it looks very chic that was the voice of simon tanner founder and head chef of luzerne based restaurant fed so grab yourself a drink alcoholic or non-alcoholic depending on your preference and come join us as we talk all things chefy on grab a drink with a swiss chef Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Daniel, and our featured guest today is Simon Tanner. He is head chef and owner of Fed Restaurant in Luzerne, where he puts his twist on soul food. Simon is a true restaurateur with other businesses in Luzerne that include Alpininium, hope I got that right, uh, which is a bistro coffee house slash bar. Uh, and he also owns a, a network of Italian ice cream venues called Galateria del Alpi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, during our chat today, um, Simon takes us through his career, how he got started in these multiple businesses, how long they've been going, what Luzerne is like, and uh, we both connected over our admiration for uh, TV chef Anthony Bourdain, which was cool. For those of you who haven't heard of these restaurants, I will give you the address now. Fed Restaurant is located at Pilatrusstrasse 46, uh, 6003 Luzerne, Alpininium Coffee House Bar, and the Galateria is located at Denkmalstrasse 11, 6006, Luzerne. And as always, if you wish to contact me with any feedback or questions, feel free to email me at theswisschef101 at gmail.com. And by the way, all the links uh, that we speak about today, um, I'll Put them in the comments uh, on the social media so you have access to that so let's jump into it i enjoyed this one check it out Hey, Simon, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, nice of you to be here um, quite late on this Thursday night. Um, so, look, you know, before we get into the talk, um, I always ask everybody who, who joins these uh, pods a um, very simple question, and that is, what are you drinking? 
I'm drinking um, a red wine. It's a um, 2019 La Maison Carré Auvergne. So it's a Pinot Noir from Le Chatel, the Swiss wine. Ah, okay. And uh, why did you choose that particular drink? Um, I just had a rough, rough night service. Um, I just had to run away from my, from my team. <laughs> okay, really. <laughs> to be here on the podcast, and and a good Swiss Pinot Noir is always my go-to. Like it's what I'm mostly craving after a long service, like having a quiet moment with a nice red wine. So that's my choice. Okay, very good. Um, okay. So before we get into everything, right? So we're gonna, uh, you've, you've heard these things, I'm sure. Um, we talk a little bit about your background, um, your story, where you got to now, but just for the start, um, can you just give me a little bite-sized uh, um, description of, you know, yourself, the restaurant, uh, for people that don't know about it, like what's the concept, um, how did it come to be and, Basically, you know, what's your role there? Okay, so at the moment, um, I'm working at my own restaurant. It's called Fed Restaurant and Bar. It's in, in Lucerne. Mm -hmm. um, we started two years ago. So we built the restaurant in COVID at the lockdown. And we just opened like on the very end. So, okay. That's almost like last Sunday, we had our two year anniversary. Um, I work, as, so I have other businesses. So I'm part owner at Alpineum Coffeehouse Bar. So it's a, a little bar bistro in Lucerne. That's was the first thing we started 11 years ago. Um, after that, we also um, founded a, a gelateria for homemade Italian ice cream. Yeah, that was in 2014. And uh, now I'm like totally focused on the new business here. So I'm the executive chef and like the general manager, I would say. Okay. Yes. That's Very my, nice. That's my position. Very nice. So, so, okay. So you, you're running three um, businesses. Um, yes. The bistro, uh, I guess you could say the ice cream place and mm -hmm. the uh, Fed restaurant. And they're, they're all in Luzerne, right? They're all in Lucerne. Okay. Yes, and is that where you're from? Are you from Lucerne? I'm from the canton Lucerne. So the bit, the, the, the businesses, they're all located in the city of Lucerne. I'm born like 50 kilometer outside of Lucerne, close to the border to Bern. Okay. Called Alpiron. It's a very tiny little village. When I grew up there it was like 900 people living there. So a lot of farms, a lot of agriculture around very. Mm -hmm very nice countryside yeah but i was like leaving that place very very soon so like when i was 15 i moved out of my parents house uh went for a study to um to lausanne so the french part in uh, lausanne okay yes um and after one year there i came to lucerne city and i did my apprenticeship as a chef here in a five-star hotel okay so be, before you go, we, we get to that point, like, you know, was it was, um, I'm always interested to, to the journey in the childhood 
you know, before you made the choice to go study, right? So was food a, a super big part of growing up? It was always a big part, yeah. So like my parents, they built a house like next to my grandparents' farm. So my, my, my grandparents, they had a farm, um, first they had like cows and, and, and a lot of land. So they did like vegetables and the, like dairy production with the cows, you know? Yeah. Um, then my parents moved there and my dad started to help my grandfather, you know, mm -hmm. like to, to make it more like, uh, functional. So they, yeah. they changed it to uh, meat. So okay. breeding, breeding cattle for meat. So that's why like we always had our own meat there. We had huge veggie patches with um, homemade, uh, homegrown vegetables and fruits. And so for me, it was like I was growing up with like the most purest and closest to the producer food, you know, it's like all we had was like sometimes I was like jealous of my friends that had like cornflakes and and like like cordials and stuff from the supermarket. <laughs> right. and my mom did like her homemade cordials and like her homemade granola and it was like looking back was the best thing ever best thing ever to have when you're a kid you like just want to have like like i don't know like some some cornflakes like yeah. xr and like a cordial from a special a special brand and or like yeah. some cola yeah <laughs> okay. with like a lot of pure very clean foods yeah okay wow that must have been really cool um to be in that environment and what would you say was your favorite dish um growing up well it's hard to say it's hard to say there was like one special dish i was loving i was loved i loved it as a child mm -hmm. my grandma did it and it's very it's very special it's like we had our all our own chickens so a freshly uh fresh egg from the chicken and you just like crack it mm -hmm. mix it up with some salt and paprika okay and then you put in like chunks of roasted um sourdough bread and then you eat it like this it's like the, the egg like it's not cooked at all it's like just raw egg but it's getting this silky texture from the warm bread and it's like one of my most memorable dishes from my childhood. And we ate that like three to four times a week, sometimes just as a snack, like after school. So when did you decide that, um, food was, you know, a potential focal point for you that perhaps maybe you wanted to, you know, go into this industry? Was it, you know, during your time in the farm as a kid, or did that realization come later? Um, I think I started like to think about a career as a chef when, when we went to school, like in high school, you have a few lessons, like we call it Huswirtschaft. So it's like cooking classes. Um, I was never great at school, um, but I was great at cooking class. So. Um, after this, I got a little job on the weekends in a local restaurant. So being a dish pick, helping like cutting vegetables and peeling potatoes and stuff. And I think after this time, it was very clear for me that I 
they're going to have a career as a chef. Okay. Um, and did you then, you, you mentioned you went to Lausanne to, to study. What, what was the, um, what was the course you enrolled in? You know, it's like in an apprenticeship, um, as a chef in Switzerland, you have a lot of French influences, a lot of French techniques. Um, so also like a lot of the, the material at school or in the kitchen is in front in French. So I went there to learn French to be prepared for the time in the kitchen when I need the, all the French words, all the French stuff, you know, that was like, first of all, it was like a great experience to get like independent, you know, I was there working for a family, looking after the two kids. It was like an au pair year. Um, so great thing to get independent. And after all, you learn French and you can use mm -hmm. it in your future career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And was the, the cuisine of, of, of France, was it, uh, why did you gravitate towards that one opposed to like, you know, Italian? Um, the apprentice, like the, the, the school model in Switzerland, if you have an, if you have an apprenticeship as a chef, it's French based. So you can, you can do like an apprenticeship in an Italian restaurant, but the base, the base studies are always in French cuisine. Mm -hmm. So you have to like doing classical French cooking techniques. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's a lot, lots of butter. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of butter, lots of butter, lots of like cream sauces. Lots. Of, right. Yeah. Lots of. Is there any other way? <laughs> no. no, no, no. It's. I think it's it's a very good base for 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 cooking. You know, like French mm -hmm. techniques are very good. Um, but otherwise later you're going to find your own twist and way to get, get other influences in like French is always a good base for, for fusion kitchen, I would say, or like for, yeah. for getting your own style of cooking. Yeah. And after you, you did this, uh, this apprenticeship, how did you get your, your, your next start? Like what was your first job? Um, my first job after my apprenticeship was as a commis de cuisine, like a tournant, like in a restaurant mm -hmm. in Lucerne called Aqua. Aqua. Okay. Um, it was quite new and like restaurant Aqua was a new and exciting location, you know, it like half a year after, uh, before I finished my apprenticeship. So I was like, excited to go there um was a good solid first year but a lot of bad shit happened there like like in in every in every kitchen you know like they had they had a head chef or an chef so like three to four young chefs uh, no one was, was like in charge no one is clear of his role in the kitchen so yeah went pretty bad at the end so I left. And then I started, um, working like, um, like Gomeo point restaurants. Like my next stop was, um, hotel Montana. I was there as, um, as a comedy cuisine. Like, oh, yeah, I, that, yeah. that place has the, um, does that have that Hemingway bar there? Yeah. The Hemingway bar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember this place. I went yeah. there many, many years ago. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a nice place. Right. It's a beautiful place. It's, you have like the best view over Lake Lucerne, over the city, over the mountains around. Great place. I think Mark Twain stayed there. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. Maybe Hemingway as well. Uh. Cool. Okay. And um, how long were you there for? I was there for I think one and a half years. Okay. So I was very quick promoted to like a chef de party. Mm -hmm. um, it was great to learn. It was is the head chef is still there. Is a Dutch guy. He was like um, chef of the year in Switzerland like once. Oh really? His name is Johan Bredijk. He was in he was in in Ticino, so in the, in the Italian part. Yeah. At, at the Giardino, so in Ascona. Um, he was chef of the year, like in 2006 or seven. Okay. Yeah. So it's great to learn a lot of like Mediterranean influences mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Um, yeah. And Would you say, um, there it was like a, a career defining, uh, training, uh, under, under such a chef? No, no. Okay. No, 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 no. It's like. No, it was good to see, you know, like it was fine dining, very high quality, oh. uh, all the great products and big brigade, like 20 chefs. Mm -hmm. Wow. A um, lot of, lot of, um, like we did like 140 seatings a night on uh, 16 Gomio points. Mm -hmm. So it's like crazy. That is, yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. But wasn't, wasn't, wasn't right for me. So wasn't right for me. So after, after that, I decided to leave and I went like on a, on a travel to uh, Central America for like three months, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, my sister, my sister is married to a Mexican guy. So my, her in-laws are there and I was like spending a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of time in the kitchen with all the chefs there. Mm -hmm. um, still have big influence on me. It's great food. It is great food. It is great food. Where did you stay in Mexico? Uh, he's uh, from Michoacan. Okay. So it's the, the western part uh, on the Pacific side. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I would say it's like 300 kilometers north from Acapulco. Okay. Yeah. In between Acapulco and Puerto Vallarta. So mm -hmm. you drive like six hours to Guadalajara and mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great place. Like it's narco country, so it's like quite dangerous. Yeah, yeah. No, I lived in uh, in Monterey for about a year, just over okay. a year. That was crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Jesus, like, yeah. dangerous as. Yeah, yeah. but no. the food is incredible, and the people are so nice and warm. Yeah, they're but, so. Uh, nice. My God, that food. Still to this day, I. Uh, it's quite possibly one of my favorite cuisines. Yeah. For me as well, like for me, Mexican food and Thai food, mm -hmm. I like the, my two favorite cuisines um, to cook. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was also like working in Thailand for fourteen months, so I was in Koh Samui on a in a little island. Wow! And on a little island, it's like Koh Samui is quite big, in a little resort. Mm -hmm. So it's like twenty bungalows, a yeah. lot of European tourists, and I was there like. There's nothing, nothing big. I was there for, for cooking Western food, like yep. Caesar salads, burgers, schnitzel, all that crap. But it gave me a lot of time to spend in the kitchen with, uh, with all the Thai ladies 
Okay. Very so, nice. Yeah. So okay, so you came back, right? So and um was it at that moment then you started the bistro or was there some more um kitchens that you went through first? Yeah. I had a summer a summer season here in Lucerne in that in a very crappy rest uh, hotel, like yeah. mainly mainly group tours. I'm not proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um it's just like I came I came back, I was broke, I needed right, a job. Right, get it. Yeah. yeah. And after that, like I was like really like I had enough of hospitality. Mm-hmm. I had enough of like like being underpaid and, mm-hmm. and all the shit, a lot of work and, and the late hours. So I went for two years in a kitchen in a in a in a seniors residence. Okay. Um was okay. Yeah. Good money, a lot of great value for like for um work work life balance so yeah yeah um but i got bored so i got bored after two years and mm-hmm. that i went to a little fine dining restaurant called hopfenkrantz it's here in, in lucerne as well um spent there a year and a half and then we my friends kevin mm-hmm. and silas they started the bistro okay um i was planning then to go to thailand for the the 14 months so i was yeah. like started working at the bistro um as an employee first okay and when i came back like shortly afterwards like i i bought into the company okay yeah and that's how it started like the bistro is it's it's in an old in a very old special building it's next to the line monument mm-hmm Alpinium. So Alpinium is uh, is actually a museum. Yeah. Like a 3D panoramic museum from the Alps. And like we are like the 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 restaurant bistro bar um from from the from this museum. So mm-hmm. yeah. So it was um, very tiny at the beginning. Yeah. And then we like we started with like latte art coffee in the morning. Like we had a proper de la Corte coffee machine. It was like no one had a, a good coffee in Lucerne by then. So we started with latte art, good coffees, like local roasted, um, single origins, like all all that fancy stuff no one understood by that by that time. <laughs> um and then we did little lunches. So we had my kitchen there was like two square meters. Had two electric stoves and one plancha and a little uh, oven, like same size as my home my home oven. Um, but we did like great lunches there, like Monday to Friday, um, every day freshly cooked meal, only one dish, um, vegetarian or with meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at night it turned into a bar, wine bar, beer bar, cocktails. So it was a very good time, great time. Wow. And and you said that was 11 years ago. Yes, it was in 2012. Okay. And you and you're still involved with it now. Yes, I'm still involved. I'm still part owner. Um I'm not there like operative. I'm mm-hmm. not working there anymore. So I'm, I'm there for uh for meetings if there's strategy we yeah. Mm-hmm. And have they changed the concept uh, in this time or is it still the same as it was back here when you started? No. It's still the same the concept was great from the beginning. So like it was a, it was a very good structure. We had Monday to Friday, we had our lunches, 
Yeah. At night, we had our bar. It was running very well. Mm-hmm. Um, then Saturday and Sunday, we, we, we are doing food events. Okay. So Saturday night, we're doing a bistro event. It's always one dish you can choose from. Is it like on, like an entrecote with the coffee, the party and fries or moule frites or, or like a barbecue platter with barrips and brisket and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on Sundays, we do um, brunch, like not, we, we call it not another brunch. So it's like a, <laughs> like a burger, a burger Sunday or a chicken waffle, mm-hmm. fried chicken waffle or, or like a, Ex Benedict Sunday with like three or four different ways of egg Benedict or pancake Sundays like this. Mm-hmm. And people love it. And it's like it's it's got so much work got in, into this system that the people like now they know, okay, we're known for one day you go there for that dish. And it's right. always amazing. So wow. never they never changed the the concept. Mm-hmm. It's still great my business partners are running it so mm-hmm. um one and of my business Kevion, he's uh, in the background he's coaching all the, the staff and and our manager and my other partner dominic is like running the kitchen and the catering business okay and what, what was it for you i mean you were there for for operationally how many years oh, around eight years eight years okay and then what made you want to um to leave um the kitchen was too small for me i I was like i was more in a managing position Mm -hmm. by then so i was like managing all the stuff i did a little bit of cooking i also did run the the catering business and for me it was like just i wanted to go back to the kitchen i wanted to cook again and i needed space so like in the two square meter kitchen it's Right, I get it. And, and you can one dish, you know, it's like, it's not fun. For me, it's not fun. I was like, mm-hmm. I wanted to work in, a, in the brigade again. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the opportunity came from one of our clients. So he bought this house um, where the restaurant is located. And mm-hmm. he offered me the, the room. So it's like, there was a shisha bar, like a, like a, a hookah bar in here. Um, and the contract was like almost done so like over so he didn't want them in here so he offered me the the place so and i said yes yeah and what did you do with that place um so we well we ripped it apart so we we invested a lot of money mm-hmm. um got it fully renovated we built in a fresh kitchen a new kitchen new ventilation system we did like even expand to a second location on next to it. So we, okay. We ripped the walls down and expanded it. So, and now, yeah, it's a great, great little urban restaurant with a lot of flair, like a lot of brick walls in there, like a, a steel, a steel, uh, like gallery on top, mm-hmm. like a little, uh, balcony where people can sit. It's very cool. And this is the Fed restaurant, right? That is restaurant Fed. Yes, yeah, right. Restaurant Fed. Okay, so it is. So it's close to um, the bistro. I mean, Lucerne, everything is close. So. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> right. It's. Um, I think it's a. It's a ten-minute drive. Yeah. Uh, to walk like half an hour. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. 
And how many people are in your kitchen at Fed? Um, I have, well, like in the kitchen are myself, my sous chef, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, then we have two young chefs, uh, Hans and Kevin. And we have Mary. She's working part time, so she's a mom, and um, she's only working sixty percent. But she's our pastry chef, and she's doing like prep days once once a week. So she's amazing. So she's doing all our desserts, all our prep. Um, yeah, she's actually very. She's you should you should uh, look her up. She's uh, her name is Mary Miso on Instagram, and she she wrote like already four four cookbooks. Yeah, they're great. They're really great. Fantastic. So, uh, so, okay. So that brings us up to, to date, right? So you're, you're at fed, uh, restaurant now and, and what, what's the, um, what's the cuisine type? What's, what's the concept? Can you g give me a little bit of, uh, an understanding on, on, on the restaurant? Okay. The so the concept at fed is, are uh, we doing a sharing concept? So like, in a tapas style, but we call it elevated soul food. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is the food must be like heartwarming and great. Just like, just like good, proper food, mm -hmm. nothing too fancy, nothing like deconstructed or whatever. Like it just needs to be good soul foods, but with a twist. So a little elevated, it looks very chic. Mm -hmm. um, they're like smaller portion, uh, portions, and if you come and eat like a la carte, so you can have you can choose between three to four or five dishes between the two of you maybe, or we have a feed me menu, so it's uh, four rounds of uh, three sharing rounds savory and one sharing round sweet. Okay. Yeah. And. Um... You know, when I hear the word soul food, right, I think of American uh, pulled pork from the South uh, type of food, but it, it's not that type of uh, cuisine. It, it's, uh, is it just a mixture of different um, influences, French, Italian, Swiss? It is a big mashup, actually, of different cuisines. Um, we also have some influences some from, from, from the States. So we're doing okay. a pulled pork sometimes. Um, but the main influences are like Swiss food with French twists. We work a lot with like local producers as local as possible and as seasonal uh, as possible. Um, and the influences we have are like Asian, Japanese or, or um, Thai mm -hmm. and Mexican. Okay. So at the moment, like we have on the menu, we have a sma our like smash cheeseburger. So it's like a five guys cheeseburger <laughs> smash. Um, then we have buffalo cauliflower with ranch dressing. Uh, we're doing a, a Mexican tartar with like habanero dressing and blue corn tostadas. Um, we have like local local uh, trout smoked with like crushed peas and and salmon raw. Uh, we have well, a Scotch egg. Oh, Scotch egg from England. Yeah. Okay. The Scotch egg. It's like a, it's like an organic egg from Nidwalden. The meat is from the same, from, from the same producer. We wrap it up. We serve it with like cauliflower puree, onion salad, and tarissa mustard. We're doing oh, wow. like 
we're doing like some off menu dishes which just serve at the feed me so at the moment we have like a four week uh branded um sauerbraten so it's like a like a like a, bros a brosato mm -hmm. so you marinated it in a brine of red wine and, and vinegar for like three weeks and then you braise it till it's like falling apart um what else we have local local flat iron second cut from a, from an angus farmer around the corner all that stuff it's like nothing very fancy just like very tasty i mean i'm i'm super impressed you've got a scotch egg i have to say <laughs> it's, it's a shit lot of work i, tell you. I, mean, I know I, I make them at home because you cannot get them anywhere in switzerland well, at least i didn't know until yeah. i and now i know and there's like there's no good way like there's you can't i thought like there must be a machine or something to to do them right but there's not yeah so but you they're know how so it, tasty huh? Jesus. yeah you know how we do it i use my tortilla press to press the sausage oh, meat down really? <laughs> So we do like we do like a hundred scotch eggs a week, so it's like a lot of work. Wow. Okay. I am definitely coming for that scotch egg. Um okay, Simon, talk to me a bit about you as as uh, as a chef. Well, what's your favorite style of food? Like personally, is it uh, I mean, you know, you've lived abroad, you've studied different cuisines, like, you know, when you go home on a night, you know, what's your favorite food? It depends. Like my favorite food when I when I come when I come home from work and I'm hungry, I need something carby. Mm -hmm. I need like a like a bowl of noodles, Asian or Italian, or just a big piece of bread with some like cold cuts in there, like a sandwich. Mm -hmm. I need something starchy. But when I go out to eat, um, I love like actually what we do at Fed. I love like little things to try sometimes i look on at the menu of a restaurant and i like so many things on there but i can't eat them all right. it's like it's like it's too much you know it's like the portions are too big i can't eat like five courses mm -hmm. in a restaurant um so i love to go to places where they serve like small stuff where i can share it with my wife she like she's also really into that um she's australian so mm -hmm. okay they eat a lot like this in australia so you just like ordered like a few different things in the middle and you, you pick what you like most and that's that's what i really like okay and when you started fed um the menu i mean it it's it sounds amazing right from from what i hear but how do you go about designing something like that? Like, where did that start? Where, where did the inspiration come from? Right? Was it something you were trying to cater for, uh, for, for the local people? Or did you want to go really out and beyond and, and just try something completely new, completely innovative? Um, what was that process? So like, when I designed the menu, of course, you have to look about look after your locals, you know, mm -hmm. and serve them some stuff they, they know and they like. But I also like wanted to put my my signature on the menu. And I was always I'm always known for like I'm not I'm not cooking like traditional stuff. You know, like I want I want like serve a piece of fish with the fennel and orange salad. It's like I always look for for something special, special ingredients, 
um, to put on a menu. So like, also it was like also a bit educational for the people here. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna eat my food because I was like not, you know, being that simple with my menu. Right. <laughs> so for a few people, it was a challenge, but by now I think we have a really good name and and the people like our our food and the, the weirdness of it sometimes or the, the quirkiness mm -hmm. or like the, the unusual um, combination. So mm -hmm. where, 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 where does that quirky and weirdness come from? Was it, is it like, is there a, a specific influence out there that you, you go to, or is it just checking what the competitors are doing or how? I'm curious about everything. If I want the biggest influence, I when I take the biggest influence on is, or the biggest inspiration is when I travel. I travel a lot. So it's like, for me, traveling is education. Um, so I go to different parts of Asia, South America, Latin America, the States or Australia, or even the whole of Europe. Always if I travel, I get an idea or I'm curious and trying something new, thinking about putting it on our menu. Is it, is it possible to, to bring a part of my travel on the menu? And I think the quirkiness is coming from there. So like, look at the menu. Actually, it's, it's very funny to look at. We have a, an American dish. We have a, a Mexican dish. We have a, an Asian dish. We have, a Swiss dish, it's like it's like a big mix mashup, but somehow it works. Somehow the, the combination of they work. Some the people they like it. So yeah, mm -hmm. okay. I think I think it's curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I, that leads me to something we were talking about before we uh, we we jumped on the the call um tonight and that was uh, we we both kind of uh, expressed our uh, admiration for um anthony bourdain right um right. i've also seen on your instagram feed you've you've put things on i think there's something on the website as well and uh, also for me he's like a, a huge you know influence i've read his books i've watched all his shows but he has something similar mm -hmm. like you've just said right he's uh such a curious uh, persona, traveling. Um, so was he someone that, um, yeah, really pushed you into into this? And, you know, when did you connect with, um, with him as a, as a person? I connected with him as a person, like, quite late. Like, it started, like, at, when I was, like, a young chef. Mm-hmm book came out in in german um so the kitchen confidential mm -hmm. and i was loving it i was like oh my god that's my story that's right. my story it's like every chef is is who's reading that book it's like that's my story and then i was like so excited he he had this tv show and and i think he he gave me the the confidence to go also traveling and you know and and try everything with no like what do you call food though with like no bad feelings just go yeah. and, and experience like don't be don't be scared of like being with people you don't know mm -hmm. try food you don't know just be just like 
try everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the whole premise, I think, of his first uh, uh, show, the, the Cook's Tour, or A Cook's Tour. Yeah. And he, in that show, he was, I think he was in Vietnam, and he, uh, I don't know if you remember, they took the heart out of, uh, of, a, cobra, of, right? of a cobra, right? And it was still yeah. beating on the on the table, and he, and he put it into his mouth. But that's that's how he, they hooked the audience right. for 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 cook stores. Like that was like the his thing to eat weird shit. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't I didn't like the first show that much. But not just I didn't like it because of that. Mm -hmm. I just like liked him as a person. Yeah. And and in no reservations, it got much better. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. I think I, I I connected with it because I I'd lived in New York for for a couple of years and and he just kind of like in the beginning just embodied this New York chef like I knew some chefs like when I, when I was living out there and uh, he just really embodied all that and then I I read his book um, I think it was probably what. 2005 i read it um i just it was amazing i mean and i'm i'm not a chef right i'm, I'm completely outside of, of this world kind of looking in and um yeah it really it, it really touched me so um yeah it's cool that we can um we can talk a bit about anthony's uh yeah i still watch him a lot and uh yeah me too reading reading I, I about him I recently watched uh, the documentary about him, Roadrunner. Oh, Roadrunner, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Oh my god, I, cry I cried like like a baby. It was like <laughs> it was so sad. And I was like, I was like really, I was like very upset when he died. Like actually, yeah. for me, it was like I remember hearing it on. I I remembered the exact moment. I heard it mm -hmm. on the news, on the radio. I was on the way to catering with my truck, mm -hmm. car full of food. And I had to stop because I was crying. It was like, fuck, it's yeah. really devastating. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't very far away, right? It was uh, just across the border in uh, Colmar. Yeah, in Alsace. Yeah, I'm I'm ashamed to say that I've actually I actually went there to the hotel to to uh, to pay respects as well. Oh wow, <laughs> I'm that much of a fan. But I'm a fan of many chefs, right? So I'm a big fan of Rick Stein um keith floyd yeah probably keith floyd is yeah. one, one of my uh all-time greats as well so I'm, I'm always uh interested in that cool okay um we got a bit uh diverted there um mm. so yeah can, can we do, talk a little bit about um switzerland and and um your take on like the the industry in general like uh how, how swiss food is like what you know, do, do you think it's in good health after COVID? Um, do you see certain trends happening right now um, in Luzerne or maybe broader in, in Zurich and in the other cities? I'd be interested to hear about your, your take on that. So after, after the pandemic, it was like the industry was fucked. Mm -hmm. So after, after the whole COVID shit, the industry was fucked. Like a lot of stuff happened um, to the people, I think. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the staff stayed at home, you know, they had like a lockdown. They got, they got paid from the government. They had free time. Mm -hmm. So when, it's, when it was reopening again, a lot of people didn't want to work anymore in right. the industry. So we had big, big, 
big troubles to find proper staff working in different positions, like in any position, in, in kitchens, front of house, the whole hospitality industry was like fucked. Mm-hmm. No, no proper staff was available anymore. They mm-hmm. felt like, I think, I think the people like they changed somehow in this time, wanted to do something else. And that was a big problem for the industry. Now I think it came down a bit. So like before, before COVID, when we were looking for a chef, we had like 50 CVs coming in. Right. Afterwards, we had like two. Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. In two months. Yeah. yeah. Now it got much better. Mm-hmm. So more more solid stuff available again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think also like the whole thing is like f- fading away. The whole COVID ghost, yeah. you know, it's like fading away. Yeah. And, and the business, they, they get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I mean, you were lucky in a sense that you, um, you hadn't opened fed at this point, right? You kind of, it was at the back end of the pandemic. Yeah. We, we opened on the 21st of May, Mm -hmm. 2021. So Mm -hmm. it was like one, one week after they allowed restaurants to serve, but only outside. So our first two weeks, we were only uh, able to serve our guests on the terrace. I mean, at that at that point, were you, were you hesitant about going through with it? Did you have thoughts about Jesus? We, you know, this is insane. Uh, do we even want to go through with this? Or were you completely committed? No, of course I was committed because, like, we just invested so much money in mm-hmm. a brand new restaurant and i believe that it was like getting better you know mm-hmm. the year before we had the lockdown and it was reopening again in summer so i was going with all that stupid rules they gave us so right but i was committed 100 150 percent was like making this work yeah so and 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 during this process so obviously when it was covid you were you know, there was renovations going on or you were doing whatever you can to prepare yourself to, to get ready for the opening. Right. Did you kind of switch your business model in a sense that, okay, you know, if this is a recurring topic, we need to be able to do delivery. Um, we need to set up on, um, the Ubers of the world, uh, make sure we have that infrastructure in place just in case. That was like something in our back pocket. Yes, mm-hmm. we ne- like plan B, not allowing to serve like anyone. Just just takeaway was like we doing a burger window, mm-hmm. like smash burgers in the backyard. Um, I would have never worked with Uber Eats or EatMe.ch or any of these platforms because they like they suck you out. It's like. It's like 30 percent right straight like off the bat and and no sorry it's like something something i would never do mm-hmm. also like it's it's a totally different business to 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 doing takeaway right like now at the restaurant sometimes you do takeaway but only before six o'clock pick them to pick up and after six o'clock we don't do takeaways anymore because mm-hmm. like it's serving our service 
like we're not we're not like there's no infrastructure for us to to do take or takeouts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was our plan B, but luckily it like fell fell yeah, yeah. Apart. and in Luzon um I mean I love Luzon I think it's it's such a it's such a great city um what's the vibe there at the moment in in terms of uh you know restaurants what's 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 new what's happening is is there I mean in Zurich as an example um I see a lot of uh, vegan stuff you know there's lots of vegan stuff coming up in Zurich um these days um is there other is the trends that you're seeing popping up in Luzerne yeah look we have we have um you know we like small we're very small so we like a hundred thousand people with acclimation so it's like a tenth of Zurich mm -hmm. so it's also like a tenth of the people going out on the weekends mm -hmm. so we like it's 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 nowhere close to the hospitality in Zurich that we have in Lucerne, um, but we're getting there. So like, there is always like new little places popping up, um, vegan restaurants, um, very good wine bars, um, cool places for takeout. So we're getting there. Like mm -hmm. ten years ago, Lucerne was nothing. There was nothing to go. We had like a good French brasserie, a good Italian restaurant, and a very overpriced Thai place. Mm -hmm. Now we have lots to choose, actually. So we're getting there. And we have to keep like bringing up nice concepts and cool places ourselves to to make Lucerne brighter. Mm -hmm. OK, yeah. cool. So and, um, you know, you've now done three restaurants, right? We didn't talk about the uh, the ice cream place, right? Um, do you want to just have a quick mention about that? Yeah, we started, uh, we call it Celateria dell'Alpi. So mm -hmm. in if it's in Italian, it says like the ice cream parlor from the Alps, but we, we spell it different. So it's the ice cream place, place from Alpineum. So Celateria dell'Alpi, mm -hmm. it's like a take on the name. It's like the ice cream parlor of Alpi. Right. So we started in 2014, I went for, um, or like uh, ice cream lessons to Bologna. Oh, great! Learned how to make proper French uh, Italian Italian gelato, and that's what we still do. We like we're producing on uh, no artificial colors, flavors, or ingredients. Mm -hmm. We work with full fat uh, organic milks. Um, we do our own bases. We work when when we can with whole fruit or pulps. There's like no artificial colors or anything there. Mm -hmm. um, and we have one parlor next to Alpinium at the Lion Monument. There is one ice cream parlor at the Lido. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a swim. A right, I know the place. Yeah, big beach place on the on the on the lake. Mm -hmm. And we are um, selling also to to the hospitality. So. Okay. We're selling ice cream to different restaurants uh, in Lucerne and around central Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Like a few places have it in Zurich, a few places have it in, in Bern, Basel, a few places in Zug or Uri. Wow. Okay. 
So, I mean, look, you know, the, these three these three restaurants, um, they're still very much operational, still uh, doing great, going from strength to strength. Like, I'm curious to know what advice do you have for our listeners out there who are, you know, thinking of getting into something like this in Switzerland, um, you know, opening a restaurant, opening a pop-up, um, or even just, you know, uh you know last night i had a a, a guy on um from zurich um a chef um who's you know was doing um uh fine dining out of um out of a van right so you know th there's there's all sorts of ways to um to get into the industry i mean what advice and learnings do you have that you could share with us so you 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 can you can if you want to do that and you have enough passion, um, you can do stuff like that. You can, you can open a restaurant or doing a pop-up, but don't think it's easy. Don't think it's people are like having these, these purple glasses on and think, Oh, it's so nice having a restaurant or a pop-up or a little bar. Mm -hmm. It's hard work guys. It's hard work. Um, you have stuff to pay. You have, you have crying stuff. You have like guests complaining about the prices or about the whatever. You have great moments, but you have hard times. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot to do and a lot of responsibility. And think about it. Think about good doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't make it don't don't do it out of the out of the blue yeah it's 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 serious so yeah yeah i mean it's like anything you, you need to have the passion right if you've got the passion then uh, you know you can drive that forward yes. um what would you say to um yourself at 20 years old so if you could go back in time right and you could meet your 20 year old self <laughs> what, what, what would you say to him? Oh my God. <laughs> I would tell him a few things. I can't say. <laughs> um, no, actually, actually, I was pretty happy with my, my time between 20 and now. Yeah. I would have done a few things different, but, but the base was right. Mm -hmm. I was always driven. I was always like motivated. Mm -hmm. I was always like, even if I was an employee, I was like treating the place I was working like my own place, you know, right. I was very loyal. Oh, and so actually nothing to tell my 20 year old about that. Like, go on, do your thing. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, Just believe yeah. have passion, right? Passion, yeah. yeah. And even if you, if you lose passion at one point, I had that for two years, like, yeah, just just trust your instincts. I was always doing well with my instincts and yeah, that sounds like it. Oh. Cool. Simon, um, we're almost done. Thank you. It was um, really cool chat. Um, but I do have three last questions if you would indulge me. Um, yeah. The first one is, is cooking an art or is it a craft 
cooking is an art and a craft. Like, it's an art and a craft, like, because you have different cookings, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, like, there's there is cooking as an art and cooking as a craft. I was like, like if you if you use your cooking to wow people, you know, like to make them excited about foods. Yeah. Like if if you if you if you cook your food in like different textures and spheres and whatever can be art. Mm -hmm. But I think mostly it's craft because like it's hard. It's 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 difficult it's not easy yeah it's it's yeah okay i think it's more craft than art yeah cool and um second question is if you were trapped on a desert island what three items would you take with you oh. i bet everyone says like a knife uh, for sure life. everybody i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking about dropping this question because it's a foregone conclusion even before i answer ask it yeah. I think I would take my wife, mm -hmm. then six bottles of crystal champagne, <laughs> right. and a Desert Eagle 5.0. <laughs> so after the champagne is gone, I shoot us. <laughs> exactly, right. It's just like, I can't, I can't do shit. I can't <laughs> light a fire. I can't hunt. So let's have a nice last drink and then end it. Just end it all. Very good. Um, Cool. And the last one is, you know, how, how can we follow you, right? How can we see what you're doing? What what social media accounts do you have that our listeners can uh, hook into? Could, could you give us the handles for that? Sure. The, my private uh, account is uh, at Tannerboim. So T-A-N-N-E-R-B-O-I-M. Mm -hmm. I'll also put this in the comments uh, when we... Yeah. Yep. So then we have Alpineum underlying coffeehouse bar. That's the bistro. Mm -hmm. Then Gelateria del Alpi with double L. It's uh, the ice cream parlor. Mm -hmm. And Fed underlying restaurant is um, our soul food sharing concept here. Cool. Great. Thank you, Simon. Um, that was a super cool chat um very happy to have you on um and uh i'm you know I, I come to luzerne often i am for sure gonna come and check you guys out um yeah it'd be great to to have you so yeah so cool thank you very much simon and um thank you to all the listeners for tuning in hope it was uh interesting and uh, inspirational so uh that's it. Thank you and Thank goodbye. You. Bye, Daniel. Bye. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grab a Drink with the Swiss Chef. Hope you enjoyed it and are much more wiser for it. And as I tell you all the time, if you fancy giving us a rating, it makes a big difference. I know it's a pain, but your support is crucial. So if you do feel motivated, go to wherever you get your pods from and give a review or a rating. Obviously, we depend on listeners and depend on more and more people finding out about this pod. 
So if you've liked what you've listened to, a good review really does help. Thanks, folks. Really appreciate it.